0: Here's to beers the podcast that lasts as long as the pint Um, but you can see from the length of this so that that's not the case. Anyways uh, I'm your host Jess and today we are talking about wild beers y'all. My guests today are Jeremy Rodriguez and Matt C two dudes who know their stuff about spontaneous fermentation non-commercial yeasts. Uh, We'll be focusing on two breweries Beechwood Blendery out of Long Beach, California, where germs worked for a while and actually helped start the blendery, and Upright Brewing out of Portland, Oregon, whom Matt has been a fanboy of, uh, you know, since before saisons were cool in the late aughts. So we recorded in the backyard of Jeremy's house on the stoop on a summer day and shared a few bottles and really nerded the fuck out. In fact, you This might be the most beer jargon-filled episode, Uh, so I want to break it down for folks who aren't as well-versed in beer yeast, so you kind of know what the hell we're talking about. So uh, in this episode, we talk a lot about wild yeast and fermentation, aka not your regular old commercial brewer's yeast, also known as Saccharomyces. This is non-controlled and native yeast. Because guess what? Yeast is on everything and affects how your beer tastes. So brewers have come to find what yeast they like the best based on how it affects the flavor of beer. So we talk a whole lot about brett, a.k.a. pretanomyces, which is the most common type of yeast bacteria found in wild beer that gives it the funky and barnyard aroma and taste. Uh, We also talk about mixed fermentation, which is when multiple yeast strains are used in a beer secondary fermentation, which is when the base beer is brewed, it's fully fermented, has become alcohol, and then you can add more yeast, fruit, put it in a barrel or a bottle, and you just let the yeast do its thing all over again. And this produces a more complex beer. We also mention what's called pellicle, and that's a weird gooey yeast film that develops on top of beers when certain yeasts, like Brett, our lactobacillus and pediococcus are used, this slimy goosebump esque film, shows the brewer that the wild bacteria has come to have a big-ass yeast feast in the beer. I will note, however, that a pellicle isn't guaranteed when using those yeast strains, as you'll hear in this episode, wild beers do whatever the fuck they want to do, so it does not determine the end product. So that's a really compartmentalized mini crash course on what some of the things we're talking about, so you don't totally get thrown for a loop if um, you're not familiar with this type of beer. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? We are talking about wine and beer coming together using whole grapes and native yeasts. We, in fact, have two examples of this. The blendery come grape, your time is up, which uses Paso Robles, uh, Paso Robles Zinfandel grapes, and Upright Expansions, which uses the German varietal Gewurztamina, it's really embarrassing. I my One of my last names is Keller. you think I would be better at these Germanic languages, but you know what? I'm not. Um, we also talk, uh, uh, we define lambic and have a little debate on method traditional. Uh, we talk about beer aged on Wu-Tang. Uh, no one, maybe no one actually uses wild bread anymore. Spoiler alert. And as Matt says, I thought this was just a, such a good way to sum it up. The target is never where you want it when you are brewing wild beer. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, look for an upright bottle to drink with us. If you're in California, maybe find some Beechwood blendery. And if you don't have access to any of those beers, find any other wild sour or Saison and join us. Also included in the description of this episode will be the unabridged list of Matt's shout outs. He and Jeremy mention a lot of important and interesting brewers and blenders. So make sure to check out that list. And um, I do want to mention that I was partially right when we talk about Floodland because the Floodland beer with blueberries is Drive Out the Spirits. But Matt was also right because Here No Hereafter uses those bloobs um, from Drive Out the Spirits. So we were both right. I just I had to put that in here. And uh, also don't forget to follow me on Instagram at justjustbeer. And I do want to plug my good friend Shauna and I's classes that we've been teaching through Seattle Beer School. So if you live in the Seattle area, check that out and follow us on Insta at Seattle Beer School to get the deets on upcoming events. And even if you don't live in the Seattle area, give us a follow. See what it's about. And now um, let's pop a bottle, shall we? Cheers.
1: Yeah, um, people can know I'm Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez. I feel like because Jeremy throws people off. They hear the word Jeremy, especially <laughs> oh, yeah, here oh, in the Pacific Northwest. They're like, "Oh, another white guy, another neck beard, <laughs> giving a podcast." <laughs> and then I'm gonna be like, "Drop the Rodriguez on him," and they're like, "Wait a minute." Wait one second here. You know, Did but, he say Rodriguez? But 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 so for me it's like oh he's
2: oh he's the secondary neckbeard. beard. Yeah. Nah, oh. Go ahead. No
1: man, I'm like first generation brown guy loving no, craft no, but beer. When you get the brown guy to <laughs> love it, I love it. Yeah yeah. So yeah we, the, us Mexicans, we're not big on the craft beer scene. We stick to our Tecate and our modelos. So you get one you get know, a Rodriguez in here dropping knowledge bombs about sour beer.
2: Whoa, whoa. You're do you not wrong. Call it sour beer, though. I mean, is it?
0: I was gonna title mm. this
2: episode "Wild Boys." Ooh, I like <laughs> that. Wild boys. <laughs> wild boys. Well, can you call it "Wild Wild and Domestic"? But <laughs> well, not domestic. domestic what? Domestic ed.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <We> can so <laughs> because, we can do that. We
1: can get that conversation about like why Brett isn't wild anymore. It is not wild anymore. Yeah, because. Yeah. It, ever, all the Brett cultures that we're putting out today are cultivated. They're we're not... Why are we...
2: No, no. Can we save this for... <laughs> we got to go to the intros first. No, no. We can't do this right now. Yeah. We haven't even
1: started. Yeah. No, no, no. She, she got... She got. Look
2: at those Uh. Uh. Pro Tools. Yeah, she <laughs> got this, so... Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just saying... Um, no, that is definitely no a conversation we need to get Brett Brett into. There's Wild Brett anymore. I mean, there is, Well, there but, is, but we're not using Wild Brett anymore. We're not using right. Wild Brett because...
2: Then some guys are going to be like, well, isn't really Brett? Did you PCR it? And then you're like, ah, oh, bro, bro, like, I'm <laughs> Whoa, just, dude, bro, hey, dude, dude,
1: dude, calm down, man.
2: Did, did, did the farmhand PCR it? No, because he was busy, like, getting the field ready, bro. Exactly. Bro, bro.
1: Let me go ahead and let me, let me educate you real quick about how Brett came to be in lay the, the place. Lay the knowledge, yeah. Get on there. Mm, drop those bombs. Look, man, ain't nobody PCRing any Brett, okay? So we're all just living in a Brett world, Okay.
0: Can you can't. explain what PCR is? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know.
2: So it came into the, um, I, I, you can't see it, but I'm wearing a uh, milk the funk <laughs> shirt. So it came on, um, on, on the scene that like uh, a while back that this wild bread that everyone was using that would take magically fermented everything like within days, which is um, for the homebrewers out there and for the pro brewers. Uh, it, it's not possible with Brett because Brett usually takes a couple days except for my friend, uh, BSI, Brett Trey, shout out. Um, everyone was using it It like oh it's brett it's awesome and it works fast it works just like uh saccharomyces but then somebody's like but it does but i don't think this is brett guys yeah it's not the same but 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 the problem is with um most yeast you don't know what it actually is when you're using it Mm because it just does what it does Mm -hmm. so pcr is essentially a way of fingerprinting it's it's like dna testing yeah and you compare it to a database of other um
1: it kind of, like, tracks, like, the genealogy of Brett. Genealogy. Like, so, you know, yeah, there's tight. certain markers That's that really show cool. up
2: that, like, oh, this is definitely Brett. Mm. And they did it with this strain, and everybody was like, oh, this is Saccharomyces. you yeah. have been wrong. Yeah. But, are you but, serious? But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, a big thing. Like, if you want to get, the the, the 40, 30-year-old guys who we are like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah. Like I mean, 20 guys,
1: don't, don't shout n- at them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, com- it's not common knowledge, but, I mean, if you follow, if you, if you, know, you, if know. you follow, yeah. like, this kind of like the, you know, f- tra- strains of funk, as you will. Yeah, yeah. You know, Like, it, it's a, it's pretty common knowledge. And that, I
2: will that. say that White Labs was a little like awkward about it because all of a sudden they're like, oh, I guess we were wrong. And then they all of a sudden released a Brett strain. Like, that was Interesting. like, oh, no, this is the one you actually want. And they're like, and everyone was like, huh. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Huh.
0: Yeah. Wait, oh. but if people were brewing with Saccharomyces, how, how were the beers coming out that made them so, think it was So bread. there were two
2: things that really made it weird. Um, A, they were like, that classic brett funky and b it had a pellicle yeah and so everybody's like oh that's brett that's got to be brett
1: yeah and that's the thing it's like you know you you generally like attribute classic brett strains to their pellicle right so like that's kind of like where you're like oh if it has a pellicle then obviously we have brett on our hands but it's it's one of those it's the thing you're working with like a living microorganism you know you're living with brett is it's it's brett is uncontrolled but so is sack like it's Sac doesn't always perform the way you expect it to. Well, I mean, like, except commercially. Well, yeah, and but you're working with very specific strains at that point, right? I mean, yeah,
2: but like, there's enough knowledge, except for if we talk about kweik, but we're not going to get that.
1: Yeah, we're not, not about we're, that. Yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not milking the. Phone Sorry right about
2: kweik, boys. Yeah. You got it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm just going to edit that in into a different part.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's funny how we went from not even. Let's open a beer real quick, guys. Yeah.
0: Okay. So uh, today we are sitting on the stoop. Like, real summertime style, sitting on the stairs, chilling in the sun that just went beyond the bush, and um, we're about to open some blendery.
1: Oh, yeah. We're going to open some Beachwood blendery beer. That Jeremy- Uh, All the way from Long Beach, California. That he so graciously
0: brought back since he was just in Long Beach. You know. Hanging out with the boys.
1: I do hang out with my boys, and I do love me some Brett, and I do love me some funky beer.
0: And mixed um, cultures, we're gonna yes. have to get this pop of the cork on the mic
1: yeah I, uh, I'm gonna need someone to take my mic yeah and then I'm gonna get this pop real quick
0: oh so nice all right so germs take the mic back and tell us what we're drinking
1: so this is a beer uh, this is actually the third edition in the series of beers that the blender releases annually called come in grape um, so excited This is a wine grape varietal that we blend into a one year lambic uh, inspired ale, you know, for all those diehards out there. Um, So it is a, you know, one year lambic inspired blend um, that we do whole fruit on. So it's whole grapes, uh, skin, seed, everything blended into this beer. Sits on fruit for about eight to 10 weeks. before it gets bottled off and secondary fermented, um, that is a great sound. It's I love it. <laughs> it's so really nice. this particular varietal is Zinfandel grapes, uh, which um, you know, in my time working at the Blendery, we found was a wonderful grape to work with. I
0: sorry to interrupt. I just noticed on the side that it looks like um, it's the grapes are from Paso Robles. Yes. So. so
1: these are all yeah. So all of our grapes were sourced when uh, at the Blendery from um paso robles um Which either from um, halter ranch um great winery or from castor cellars also another wonderful winery up in paso robles and
0: so we uh, you know i'm assuming that you're a beer drinker if you listen to this podcast um paso robles is well known in the beer world because of fire Stone walker but yes it's it's kind of like not that well known as a really amazing wine growing region like central california i mean paso robles san luis obispo all the way down to santa barbara has like world class really amazing wine growing regions um so it's really cool to see that incorporation between long beach and all the way up into central california
2: i mean firestone was like really influenced by that surrounding
1: area exactly yeah and our you know our Former head brewer at the Blenderie, Ryan Fields, was from the Central Valley. Okay, so yeah. using a lot of fruit from this area mm-hmm. was kind of central in his process. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, this was our foray into working with wine grapes and blending, kind of blurring the line between yes. lambic and winemaking process. So because um,
0: you said, really quick, let's just cheers so we can start drinking this.
1: Yes. <laughs> We're just oh, drinking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you're talking about it's um using uh the whole grape right yeah so, so it's this gonna was, be taking yeast from and like cultures from fucking everything on
1: definitely that. so we did pick up a lot of our our brett came directly from the you know, other than the brett that we pitched um our house strain of brett that we pitched into the beer mm-hmm. we did pick up a lot of the extra funk from the natural brett that occurred on the fruit itself um the, the, and also like the tannins that we picked right, up out exactly. of the grapes, you know, so we, since we used whole grapes, part. um, we complemented the barrel tannin with the grape tannin right. and the whole, you know, the whole process was kind of trying to balance funk, tannin, acidity and everything. Cause so it's
0: not that acidic. It's exactly. Like, it's yeah. Cool. So
1: it this compared to a lot of other beers that the blender would be putting out on a regular basis, mm-hmm. the contact time for fruit on these beers was significantly shorter than our standard contact Mm -hmm. time. So can you say how long that was about four weeks? weeks, So instead of doing like an eight to 10 week contact time, like we would normally do, we were doing about half that. So, you know, um, picking up good, good grape skin tannin, picking up great barrel tannin, Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, the added sugars in the grapes. You and, know, And this was fruited in barrel. In barrel. Okay. Yeah. So we did 100% – it was a 1,200 pounds. Um, ratio worked out to about 4.5 pounds per gallon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for the batch. It was intense, um, but also – which also contributed to why we did such a short contact time mm-hmm. um, on fruit for the beer. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, for obvious reasons. But um,
0: um yeah, I mean, let's talk about this real quick. It's such a pretty color, like legit the color of, of, zi- of a, a zinfandel. zinfandel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: no, it's a hundred percent. I mean, it's like almost magenta. Yeah. So definitely getting a lot of that, um, like classic grape fruit character. Um.
2: As a as a non wine drinker, can we just briefly talk about what a zinfandel is?
0: I mean, I I don't know the whole details of that varietal. I. I'm not, like, dedicated to certain varietals unless I know the region really well, which, honestly, is just Sonoma County. Um, but Zinn is, a, like, a full-bodied red mm-hmm. wine. That's honestly well, that the extent lends of itself it. itself towards the sweeter side yeah. of the red wines. I see.
1: I see. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, you get great sugar content mm-hmm. from the grapes themselves. Yeah, for without sure. Without being too sweet. Um, tannin levels are pretty mellow compared to, like, you know you know, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. and stuff sure. like that. Right. Um, which makes it a great beer for blending into our great fruit for blending into beer. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is why we chose it, you know? Um, yeah. the same. thing
0: that I really appreciate about this and I've kind of been on the hunt lately for like wine skin, wine, grape skin contact beers. <laughs> and, um, which is not the easiest thing to find, but, um, uh, The thing that I – what I've really enjoyed about drinking these beers is that when you get barrel – wine barrel-aged beers, I'm always like, okay, so what wine? And they're like, red wine. I'm like, what fucking red wine? Like, that's going to affect the flavor of it. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, your barrel flavors are different than the actual fruit, I'm always kind of like, I want to know what it is, though. This is going to help me describe Mm -hmm. this beer. It's going to help me, like, understand the beer a little bit better. But I think that's kind of – there's this weird, like – Um, evasiveness with barrel brokers like people just like don't know where they're coming from or anything so the fact that the blendery like on their label is like this is the wine like this is the wine grapes this is where it came from you know that transparency is really great because then you really know what you're drinking
1: yeah exactly and that's kind of the whole point of it too you know we want to showcase not just our beer but the collaboration Mm -hmm. with what the beer was you Mm -hmm. know where did this where was the winery What kind of wine was this? You know, all of that affects the beer profile, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, you know, red wine varies drastically as drastically as beer profiles do. So you want to make sure that you're choosing a wine, a wine barrel and not only just a wine barrel, but a winemaker that knows how to showcase the grape. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same way you would want to showcase the grape or the fruit in your beer, and and that's kind of how this whole series started, right? You know? So yeah,
0: and not to like um, go off on a whole like natural wine thing because <laughs> I won't shut up, but um, part of the reason why I only drink natural wine now that th- that the term natural wine basically is kind of hand in hand with biodynamic. Basically meaning that you're not adding anything to your wine. You're just letting the grapes ferment and do its thing. And then people were like, wait, isn't that what wine is? People will be fascinated to learn all the shit that goes into wine barrels when when winemakers are making it to put it to style like quote unquote to style oh, so yeah. like 100%. sugar's added more yeast is added like all sorts of shit is put into this wine and you don't you have no idea what it is just to kind of like that's why cheap wine is so it gives you the worst hangovers because it's like there's so much added shit in oh, there that just, you have yeah. no idea there's so like,
1: most of it's junk that's added
0: no it wine. is like yeah. garbage um and this is another reason why i kind of have an issue with like barrel brokers not being transparent about where barrels are coming from because if it's coming from a winery that does add a whole bunch of shit into that, that shit's now in the barrels. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that is now affecting the beer that yep. you are either yep. fermenting or aging it
1: at. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, we work closely, or, you know, I keep saying we, like I still work there, but the blender, <laughs> work closely with a lot of the Central Valley. Yeah. Uh, wine producers for that very reason, you know, we take pride in the beer, they take pride in the wine. Yeah. And um, it just, it made for a great collaborative effort. Definitely. You know? And, and, you know, certain, you know, that's the thing, like wine grapes in beer, is it, it was, it's getting a little bit more traction now, mm-hmm. but it was a very uncharted territory. Yeah, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't working here. And, and the thing is, the process is very similar, you know, yep. in, in, wild beer and in wine there's a lot of a lot of parallels so you know being able to bridge that gap was great you know and and working with these grapes has been you know one a test of patience because (laughs) the first few batches we put out were you know for lack of a better term absolute garbage (laughs) um you know we had huge sulfur problems and we Mm -hmm. had huge diacetyl problems and you know, just overall uh, big hurdles that we had to get over. And, well, and it kind of just is a testament to like how difficult it is to really make mm-hmm. great wine and great lambic and right. great sour and great funky beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is just kind of a showcase of like what is possible in that realm yeah. of beer.
0: Yeah, which is really fun because there's been a really big uh, separation between the wine world and the beer world until recently, to be honest. no, Um, It's kind of like you were a certain person if you were a wine drinker or a beer drinker, and the fact that producers and brewers are kind of coming together and being like, let's stop fucking around and start (laughs) making some really good stuff. Because you're saying like Lambics, Wilds, you know, that's like they're hard to brew because you don't know what exactly is happening. It's a,
1: it's a, a, literally it's a guessing game. It's a patience game. And it's the same
0: thing with natural wine as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like really fun to kind of see them come together. And yeah, like you are, it's going to fuck up and you're going to get batches out of the. You're going to throw barrels away. You're just
1: going to, it's, you're going to have to accept the fact that, hey, you're going to make a bunch of beer and you're probably going to dump most of it out yeah and instead of getting upset or discouraged about it you just have to like roll with the punches to learn yeah. from your mistakes and then build on it you know? yeah that's, exactly that's, that it, is yeah.
2: it's almost like a return to the roots of brewing where mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah these guys in belgium they like made beer for those guys in the mm-hmm. field mm-hmm. it's not even it not that wine never got industrialized because it certainly did oh yeah um you know true uh but like it yeah it's some part to that and uh learning how to get back
1: to that yeah, no, I totally agree. It is. It's, it's 100%, you know, like, there's no, there's no, like, I mean, I'm sure if you went to Cantion and asked Jean Van Roy what the process is, he would be like, I just do this. <laughs> this is what I do. That's not a process. This is just what you do. But it works, you know, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how this whole game plays out. You know, you like, you work with what you know. And then, you know, hopefully you have a product at the end that is something you can market and sell and package and people will love and and you can build on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I, you know, I don't have too much experience with the blendery, but or Beachwood, but I feel like a part of that is kind of just building your base of customers. Like, I'm sure you guys have a pretty loyal amount of like uh, people that like your beer. So then you once you build that customer base, you get to experiment with shit like this because now they trust you. And, and that's
1: true. Yeah. No, you're right. A lot of it is an education mm-hmm. curve. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, I spent years managing the blendery and their whole sour program. And um, it, it, a lot of it is that it's convincing people that what they're tasting is good. Whether or not they, well, their yeah. taste buds tell them yeah. that, right? Like, yeah. oh, this is so abrasive and this is so tart. Yeah, but it's supposed to be. And yeah. if you look past that, there's such, there's such an amazing amount of like subtleties mm-hmm. that you could pick up out yeah. of all of this beer. Like, oh. I do taste this. I do taste the oak and I do taste the tannin and I do taste the fruit and I do taste the yeast, you know? Right. And
0: that's like a big part of why I've been teaching like beer tasting classes is because I just want people to learn that enjoying your beer, especially when it's as complex as something like this, is really just mindfulness. It's just like taking a second to slow down and like pay attention, activate your memories and kind of see where it's going to go.
1: Absolutely. And that's why beer education class like, like that are so important Mm -hmm. to this industry like so many people are craft beer fans but they know nothing about craft beer right right exactly classes like this would educate you on like what your palate is experiencing Mm -hmm. on a regular basis like when you drink craft beer it makes such a big difference in in the way this industry is received and perceived yeah yeah
2: for sure and i just want to say that like um Lambic style beers like this are already in the minority. So when you go on the grape front, it's even more. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of crossover because it's like what Jess was saying. And it's not even just like drinking beer. It's like mm-hmm. you have to shift your mindset into like, oh, what the fuck is structure mean? In yeah, exactly. Yep. It's yeah. like, oh, there's tartness here, but there's other things going on. Like mm-hmm. there's like this weird bitterness, but it's not bitterness. And it's like... And there's acidities, but there's different levels of yeah. acidities. Yeah. It's and like, it's so it's a,
1: easy to segue a beer into this into oh, it's a sour beer, right? Right, and, and that's what you're right. sidewalling, right? And right, right. but that's not what it is. You know, this beer has so many different levels mm-hmm. than just being sour. It's sour. It's funky, which is which is
2: like a whole nother debate about how people are describing these beers. It it's is like the lexicon yeah. is even more right. difficult to exactly to pack, Right, um, but that's for another episode. Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> um, so, how are we feeling about this beer? I think it's really
2: c- fun. Can I say jammy? Is that yes? A, yeah. Of course, it's, supposed to be jammy. it's super jammy. So it's yes. supposed to be jammy. That
1: yes. I'm, not, I'm glad that you said jammy because it's supposed to be.
2: I'm not uh, so the, uh I think Jeremy. I I
1: can't speak for you exactly, but I know Jess for sure
2: is way more of a wine drinker than I am. Um, but I I do not drink wine, so I have difficulty approaching it. But I do drink cider, which is like mm-hmm. like a cousin. But
1: yeah, um, no, it's supposed to be jammy. You're supposed to definitely get that like. Very full-bodied, grape-forward fruitiness. um, It is like grape juicy. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) but but for adults. But you definitely get a uh, the back finish is definitely like funk. You know, it's it's funk and it's
2: a nice like tannic level
1: where it's like you definitely get like a bitter tannin on the finish. You definitely get a little bit of Brett on that finish as well. Um, but the show that the, the star of the beer is the grape, you know, that's the point of this whole beer is we, we wanted to showcase what grapes can do, not just for wine, but for beer. Honestly, this
0: is, um, kind of talking about Brett quality. First of all, I smell more of the Brett on rather than tasting it, but mm. What you were just saying, like the little bit of funk and the little bit of bitterness in the finish, is really similar to wines I've had that have bread in them. Yeah. And like naturally occurring. Right. Exactly. And, and that's
1: the thing. Natural yeah. natural wines will almost always have that bread mm-hmm. character that shows mm-hmm. up in them. And but you it's get a subtle bit of here. Dry, so it's like funky Exactly. Tart. Just yeah. kinda of dries it out. So it
0: has like a baseline of that very that's that like well known lambic, yes, like feel and taste. It's like, kind of like the baseline of this beer, so, it's just kind of there.
2: I kind of want to hear what you all describe that as because, personally, when I get that funk, it's kind of like if somebody left a grapefruit in their basement, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, there it is, that's that's a uh, McFunk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, well, god, that's the most archaic I mean, I mean, way it, I've ever heard it explained. No, but but, but it's, it's, not, true, it's not just though, a grapefruit, but it's, it's like a generic citrus. No, but it's true, man. Like, lambic funk is a very like cheesy like well i mean if you're getting
2: cheese i i don't know if i like that lambic though i mean yeah, like but, but that's that's your experience but, so let me,
1: let, me, let me so you know working in lambic beer for years as i did lambic style mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, lambic gonna get on style it beers sorry matt i didn't mean to I, I, so so go ahead no matt's right matt's right he's 100% right we do not just make go lambic ahead and edit we make their lambic their style right beer there. no he the people need to know.
0: Okay, if the people need to know, how about Matt you explain the difference between Lambic and Lambic style? So, this is the
1: same so, between champagne and, and exactly. sparkling wine. So I'm go and Colch. G- give a mm-hmm. shout out to my homeboy
2: Jeff Alworth doing hard work yes. on PDX. Yeah. Um, he wrote a great blog post. He can probably get more detail about this, but essentially so Lambic has been around mm, hundreds of years. Hundreds For of years. Remember. Sure, sure. But um World War's happened, blah blah blah. They had to endure years where Yeah, nobody wanted to drink this shit. It's just, like, it's funky, it's weird, it's tart. It's not what everybody else is making. Yeah, and because, you know, like, Pillsbury came on the scene, blah, blah, blah. But, like, so they had to make, classic example, Lindemans. They had to make shitty, super sweetened things. They didn't endure that. Um, Not all of them, of course, but most of them. They had to do this for years it wasn't mm. cool to make lambic in the 90s it just wasn't Not at it just all. like it was just this like weird unless you're making lindemann's framboise or lindemann's yeah, yeah. So, that was it so they had to make these like really sweet shit to appeal to my solids. the only people were drinking were like super old people mm. old even back then and they're even older now um <laughs> and they were like putting sugar in there 100 yeah and even then they would have to like mm-hmm. oh like this is too tart for me so they had to endure years of this and all of a sudden like somebody discovered that lambic was cool in america and then all of a sudden they're exporting shitloads of it and they're making money Mm -hmm. and it bothers me and obviously to Allworth that like oh yeah people can just slap that on anything and it's cool and it's like no you didn't have to endure like decades of like being this guy who had to make your great product that was spontaneous that was blended you took you know months to make and then you also make this shitty, like, back-sweetened, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you can drink this on the porch because it's sweet. Where
1: you just dump a bunch of simple syrup into your beer <laughs> yeah. before you ship it or out. Like, yeah. And yeah. it's
2: kind of like you didn't have to endure that. so like Oh, we're going
1: think... to ship three pallets of that
2: to America? Put a bunch of sugar in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like you didn't – no, no, it's not even in America. Like, even in Europe oh, itself. Guess. It's yeah, 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 yeah. And, mm. it, and it's like, well, like – you only had to endure like, oh man, I had put a lot of capital and start in this brewery kind of thing, and uh, the call, and even even like, sorry to some people, I'm not going to mention who that they decided to do method traditional. I get it, I understand that you're trying to honor them, but you can honor them by saying style no, rather that's, than yeah, yes. And I'm out there with Trevor, Trevor Rogers, shout out, because um, he was like very pointed about like, no, we're not making lambic because. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 honoring them by doing same same things. I'm yeah. doing my own thing, yeah. which is what you should be coming. It's, it's all about that. To borrow a wine phrase, as a non-wine drinker maker, it's like toar. No, no, uh, no it is true. It's 100. Yeah, yeah, it, it, so it,
0: it, really it quick th- though, is lambic associated with one brewery or a region?
1: One region. One region. Region. Lambic, okay. the, the, the the lambic Sun is, a sou- is a Sun Valley, yeah. the South is the Valley. Got it. The south of Belgium. I mean, yeah, the, Flanders the, style, lambic style. Right. Those are all regions well, of Bal- I, w-
2: I wouldn't even say Flanders because uh, Daronca De- they came out with a Lambic, but they had to like preface it just so they wouldn't be confused true. because they were like no, in Western right. Flanders, yeah, and true. it's like, it's a very specific region. But all like
1: that oud mm-hmm. Flanders, those mm-hmm. are all those are all regions, like regional beers that came originally out of, you know. Flanders for so- sure. Flanders for Yeah, sure. In the right. south of Belgium.
0: I wasn't sure if it was a region thing or like a Trappist thing, you know, no, like no, no, where it's, it's a the region. line. It is
2: a it's, little bit. It, because the EU definitely has like, okay. a, if you called a certain thing Oud something, yeah. you have to call it certain things. Okay. But it's also it's like it's like a super regional because it's yeah. it's within a region of Flanders, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <exactly>. So, <laughs> like, so and
1: that's the thing is like Flanders
2: itself is already a yeah. region, and there's like weird politics around that, mm. which again for another podcast. But, but it,
1: again, yeah. So and a lot of like with lambic, you know, with lambic, it's it's very similar to like how you would approach champagne, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, here in the states, you say lambic inspired mm-hmm. because to call it a lambic is a misnomer like you're not making lambic you're not in belgium you're not it's the terroir is different mm-hmm. like everything about it is different you're, you're borrowing methods for sure you're which, definitely which
2: which, which, which is i where where a unnamed guy mm-hmm. got that idea from but it's also like champagne has been cool for a while yeah like, <laughs> lambic's only been cool like the last exactly 20 10, years, 10 15 years. yeah yeah so it's like mm-hmm. to all of a sudden want to
1: like yeah appropriate it, it's kind of yeah. weird so. for sure and trust me, the Belgian beer, like Belgian beer council, I think that's what they're called. Oh, it's um, shit,
2: it's a uh, Horol, Horal. Horol,
1: yeah. Which, um, which, which, there's
2: only they one are producer. Not very
1: here. uptight about the use I of land. I bet they are. Are you kidding me? In America, like I bet. it took a like long time to even Americans. get Method Traditional approved, and, and even then. Mm, it doesn't really have approval. Right, right. And there's like, a, Allagash has it. Mm. Um, um, what's that brewery in Colorado? Uh, fuck, oh, Black Project in Colorado. Mm. Jester King, the blendery, um, and <laughs> Russian River are like a okay. handful of breweries in the states that have been allowed And it's a very, like, very slippery slope of what is allowed. Sure. To be saying, like, oh, we make beers, method traditional, Mm -hmm. which is the classic, like, And, Belgian lambic approach. And to
2: clarify, the whole idea of method traditional mm-hmm. is to borrow from the method champagne,
1: where they, it's, it, they and that's they, they, literally the whole it, reason they invented like, got this, got this it, term. Got yeah. it,
2: it. It's to just to appropriate kind of the, you use the same methods, but you're not it. You're not. Yeah. And it, it to me, it still feels weird because it's like you're still trying to like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I guess. You just so, you just homage it and like. And I'm, at
1: that point, you really it's a selling. It's a selling, and well, not to like has. demean anything that no, any not of at all, not at all. It's a selling point yeah. though, right? Yeah. Like if you can slap that label on your bottle. I mean, it's I would a, buy it. It's a shit. selling point, you yeah. know, it really is. And, and, but the thing is like to pay homage, mm-hmm. but it's also a thing of respect, dude, to, mm-hmm. to go as far as to be like, Hey, we did everything you do yeah. to make this beer yeah. the way we make it. Right. And for the Belgian Brewers Association, Oral oh. to come back and be like, okay, we'll let that slide uh-huh. is a big, like, it's a big victory no, it is. for it is. American sure. breweries. Yeah, you know, but, 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 it really you is. You know,
2: I, I will go. I will go on my soapbox again to like mm-hmm. be like Please Trevor. No. Trevor Rogers. Yes. He he literally doesn't
1: age the same hops.
2: He ages the hops that are from the northwest where he's from. But it's like,
1: he he's aging hops, but he's aging local hops. Yeah,
2: local hops. Yes. But is everyone who's using method traditional using local? hops? I guarantee you they're not. Yeah. So hundred percent. It, it's kind of like all this, of
1: them are probably using European strains of hops. Sure, but, sure. Yeah.
2: But it just this kind of idea that like you can do the same thing where you're at, but you should do this, like, you should. Everything should be that. Yeah, you should be, I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's like, at the end of the day, like the people who are drinking hazy, don't give a fuck about what we're debating. No, exactly. And it's like this super, super, super niche thing, but like, at the same time, it matters a lot because. I
0: mean, yeah, it's niche, but at the same time, the more people that are aware of it, and they're like, oh, wait, so that's what that is? Oh, and this is the history behind it, sure. and that it becomes appealing for people.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think people need to know, like.
0: I agree.
1: Lampic
2: producers struggle to
1: fuck lot. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and that's it's also one of those things. Like, if you're if you're a brewer wanting to make these styles of beer, cough cough, you have to be um, understanding the fact that you're going to throw away a lot of the yeah. beer that you make. Yep. Like, yeah. it's just a part of the process. You right. know, um, you're gonna lose twenty percent of your yield. Right, and that's a that's a well, conservative like, average.
2: I mean, the first year, hopefully.
1: Oh, well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. as you as you foray into a venture of making lambic or sour or funky wild beers, be prepared for your first few batches to be a complete waste of time.
2: I mean, you know? that's, that's that's part and parcel uh part and parcel to returning back to your roots. It's it like, is though. Oh, yeah, because you know? like, that's cause, the
1: thing. Is a homebrewer? How much did you dump? Right, or as a small scale entry-level brewer sure. like you how much of your beer do you waste a ton that is part of the process it's part of any learning process
2: but i think it's also a call back to the fact that you you're literally giving up control mm-hmm. and it's hard mm-hmm. as a as an industrial brewer you, you want numbers yeah, to and always you, line up and
1: that's the thing you have hard science to back up yeah. numbers right sure. when
2: you're and an, not a, a not scale brewer like not that. not to say there's not science minus, this but it's a lot more sensory mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. It makes it, it more p-
0: romantic. I think that's it, why I'm more, drawn it to it. Is. it.
2: No, it, it, but this it, thing, sour beer is a very romantic mm-hmm. thing. It, it goes, right. It goes back to like winemaking. It's like yep. you don't have vintages of grapes. Yes. You have vintages of what you inoculated mm-hmm. and what you, mm-hmm. you know, want to put like fruit, like, fru- like fruited and this kind of thing. It's kind of like it's hard for brewers to wrap their mind on because it's all of a sudden like, oh,
1: I just have to wait. Yeah. See, yeah. like so no, I like really have, have to sit here for 3 months before I even know if I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's it, yes, it is definitely not the it's a labor like as I've told a bunch, you know, I've worked in the sour sour funky wild beer side of the spectrum for years now and I always tell people it's a labor of love. It really mm-hmm. is in 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 the most genuine sense. It's a labor of love. Like right. there's no way to know no matter how experienced you are, or what target and, and, dates you put, and no matter what your targets are, you don't know the beer will do whatever the <laughs> fuck it wants to do. Whether or not you you can set up as many tastings, yeah, you can taste multiple. You can taste every. Uh, you could taste every other day if you wanted to. Yeah, the beer dictates its release. The beer dictates its readiness. the The, the cultures you're using. You might use the same culture in two batches of beer and get drastically different I think what results. And that's just that is wild beer. It's, yeah, it wild. Is. <laughs> it's wild. It's, but, but
2: it's wild. It, it's wild, but it's also because, like, to, to brewers, bread Brettanomyces is still a new thing. So
1: yeah, it is. I mean, to new brewer, yes. If unless you are are all you do is make wild beer,
2: shout out to Chad. Shout out to Ryan Fields.
0: Um, what I just wanted to say, we're gonna move on in just a sec, but what I wanted to say about that really quick is what I respect about that, and I respect about the brewers who make this beer, is you have to let go of your ego as a brewer at a certain point because, like you're saying, the beer's gonna do whatever the fuck it wants, so like you can't be the like the dictator of everything that's going to happen. You have to be willing uh-huh. to allow your product yeah. to flourish and do its thing. And you have to have that relationship with your product, knowing that uh-huh. it's not always going to be what you want it to be. And I just respect people who are willing to be like, you know what? We're just going to have to fucking see what happens. Yeah.
1: And you also have to have the chops to accept yeah. that like, Hey, maybe the beer I made is going to be shit. Yeah, it's going to be exactly. garbage and we're going to have to start from scratch. You yeah, know? And that's just yeah, part I, of the process. I think yeah. definitely
2: letting go of intent. There's a lot yes. of part of this, it's, but yes. it's not, it's not, it's not at any single one level. Like you can blend together something that's beautiful. Like you mm-hmm. waited long enough. You're like, all these barrels are ready. And like, all right, here's yep. my intent. Mm-hmm. Put in the bottle. And then a month later, it's shit. It's yeah. fucking shit. Yeah. Like oh, these, are the, these are the creme de la creme God. of barrels. I it's can't fucking shit. count how many times we were like, <laughs> but, 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 this but, but, is
1: going to be an amazing beer. But, but,
2: but it's, it's that game you're playing again of like, oh, I waited for the barrels. I wait for the bottles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you waited some longer and they're like, oh, this is great. It's not what I wanted. This yeah. is great. Yeah. So it's like that. It's mm-hmm. like this continuous thing of like the target is never where you want it. And it's like, um, I asked this question during a seminar. Target is never where you want it. That's yeah. the best. Yeah. It, yeah. It's this, uh, it's this thing where like, um, wild brewing, if you can call it even brewing, cause really you can't, oh, um, yeah. it's really more blending. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It is a postmodern game cause your intent doesn't fucking matter. At the oh, end yeah. Day. yeah. It's yeah. like, it's you set out to, it's like, uh, shooting off a firework. Like you, you hope it it's going to do this, It's going to do this, not hit the house, mm-hmm. but it might, it might, or yeah. it might hit like the sky and it might be beautiful yeah. or it might not do either. Uh-huh. And you're like, you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And and it, and it goes back to what you're saying. You're not going to make money off that's because this, because of this. it's never, the path is never like straight yeah. and it's mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. quite where you want it to be.
1: Yeah. Right. And that, yeah, exactly. And as a, as a wild brewer or somebody who's, thinking of you know venturing into that spectrum of the brewing world like you have to be ready for that you Mm -hmm. know you can't you can't you can't base your bottom line on hard numbers that you've experienced before just because you've done this with this beer and this beer and this beer when you come to the same cultures or whatever yeah yeah, like it's it's never going to be the same and Mm -hmm. and and having that that kind of apprehensiveness to be like, hey, the beer's gonna do what it does. But 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 at the same time, let's not let's not
2: pretend we're just like fucking savants who're like, oh, this this is gonna this be great. Firing
1: shit off into the wild. No, no So it's
2: like like L- Lauren Salazar had a great analogy of, with her like forest of fooders. If you don't know, Lauren Salazar is great, preeminent sour maker in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Yeah. Um, she blends out of these 32, 64, somewhere in there.
1: Yeah.
2: Just can do the research and edit this out. But, um, not um, work for me. <laughs> but, uh, there was a story she told that I always found fascinating. She was like, I never understood why this one fooder was always more sour. Mm-hmm. And it was just this, this, this one. She would go through all of them and always like this one would be more sour. And at the end of the day, she found out there was this window, right? In the, in the, Made above uh, that one. Well, above the one that would always hit
1: mm-hmm.
2: with its sunlight no matter what. Yeah. Oh so that's why it was more sour. The, I
1: mean, that's exactly. It's such. It's it's biochemistry. Yeah, it point, is right. Like there's yeah. nothing you can well, do. Well,
2: it's it's not even if it's even biochemistry. It's like those factors you take for granted because mm-hmm. you put them in a fucking jacketed tank that you set a temperature and you, and you, then you assume
1: you, like, you have control right <laughs> over everything. <laughs> right, right.
2: Whereas I feel like it's it's again going back to wine winemaker. I think mentality. we
1: talked about the other day, uh, are two different fooders. Same yeah. beer, Same two beer. different outcomes, two, and it was little things. It's like, oh well, this one's sitting x amount higher yeah, than it's like the other six one. Six inches higher. It's six inches higher, but it's weird shit like that. Yeah. that will affect your beer's outcome. But it, right? It, it's, it's more but about, well, this food is sitting six inches higher off the ground, at a slightly different pitch. Right, like, oh well, that but you the, wouldn't imagine to make a. Difference.
2: But then you you make a note and then you like move on with your life. And you move on with your life, but yeah. you account for it now, right? Now it's it, accounted I mean, for. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I think it's less
1: about like. Changing a world view as a whole, and then just taking into different mm-hmm. factors. Yeah, and that's the thing with wild beer; it all comes back down to everything matters when it comes to wild beer. Yeah. Everything it's yeah. wild, like except it, crystals. It, it, please don't put crystals in your beer. Just uh, for Were you guys, was that a real thing or was for, that a joke? I, don't I, could know. Real don't know. I couldn't tell. Um, I multiple breweries are doing it now. Please, please, guys, please do. It's not a postmodern put, joke, guys. Please do not put crystals. I in your really beer. hope
0: it is because I'm like kind please. of wave like, them
1: over. I would just love to make that a thing, depending on the the lunar mm. lunar schedule. Do see here's the thing: is like Mercury's I not in retrograde. Don't put crystals but in. But the ear. shadow, the shadow. Mm.
0: You guys, listen. As someone who's kind of like hippy dippy in that way, and fucking reads my horoscope and has crystals. That still fucking bothered me. Yeah, I was
1: like, what "Have the crystals, fuck is guys!" But but, but it's that I ma- want you guys to have crystals, and I want you to believe. <laughs> but in it's, them. it's that but Don't put them in your beer. Vibrations, crystal vibrations, in beer. It's the most goop um, shit I've ever heard. Just that's a gimmick, and they're taking your money. I just want you. Is all it to real know. though? But but
2: why are we talking is about it, well, is vibrations it, when it's the the light waves that matter? But what yeah. I'm saying is like oh, it goes well, back to that. Well how about
1: that beer aged on Wu Tang's music? Can I pay more money for that too? It's not it's vibrations. It's not it's not aged on Wu Tang. It is
3: <laughs> It was Wu-Tang. aged on Wu Tang.
2: <laughs> but but it's going back to that idea that like you help ha- you They did it, other <laughs> half did it, I be- trust ex- me. They ex- did it. Expanding <laughs> your like uh mindset of like what matters. I, well what for m- sure. Yeah,
1: exactly. What what factors are going to contribute to the final product right right Right.
0: it's not crystals
1: so it's spoiler alert
0: (laughs) it's definitely not crystals hey hey,
2: for the biodynamic uh winemaker says it's definitely crystals (laughs) don't worry about it guys got you listen you guys you You do what you do do what you you do it works right vibrations (laughs)
0: all right um there's just a little bit left in this bottle i say we open another and then we're gonna get into some personal talk
1: yeah let's do that ready yeah
0: that was so nice. Holy shit. Mm.
1: Ooh. So All right,
0: you guys, take your mics again. I'm so ready for this funk. Okay, so um, right now, Germs just popped open our uh, Cool Ship beer from Blendry. We were just talking about Method Traditionnel. It has the stamp. It is oh, official on the it's label. It's
1: real Method Traditionnel beer. I can't be tilting this bottle too much, guys. It's got to stay. Why
2: didn't you bring the Method Traditionnel basket?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry I didn't bring the goose basket out. Uh, It's called Method
2: Tradition now.
0: The one time that I saw you bring out the basket was actually during a festival, and I was laughing so uh, hard.
1: We we used to sell those baskets. You know what moment I'm talking about? We sold those baskets at the blender.
2: I got talked to about that several times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was great, though. It was so nice. My friend Mike from Modern Times was there. He got to have some.
2: It was only for um, industry only, so that's why, why (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: Want you want some I dregs? I want the dregs. Who doesn't want dregs? I love the yeasties. Give me you it all. You don't want Give dregs? Give it to me. Who
2: I, are you? Uh, I follow the method tradition now. Um, <laughs> you method do por- I don't drink dregs. Mm. Do you have a glass for that at all? Because that's this? the only way I drink it.
0: Um, okay. So do so you
1: definitely get a lot of pineapple phenols?
0: Wait, we need to wait, wait. say what this beer is. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Cactus yes. cool ship, cactus Belgian cool style, ship. sour, spontaneously fermented and <laughs> aged in oak barrels with pineapple, kumquat, and apricot. Yeah.
1: So it's our take on a, you mouth um, the mic. so this is the blenderies take on a popular Southern California soda, uh, known as a cactus cooler. If you aren't familiar <laughs> with it, if you live in California, you drink cactus cooler. Wait, wait,
2: as an Oregonian, could you break it down for me what cactus cooler tastes like?
1: It tastes like just like exactly what I just said. Cactus cooler.
0: <laughs>
2: Excellent. So so the the, the, the star's so like very it's
1: pineapple and orange at its core. Alright. But you know, that's boring in a sour beer. You don't want just those things. So we I would you love know, that in a sour
2: beer. If John Van Royd put that in a sour beer, I'd be I wouldn't blink oh, an I'm eye.
1: Sure if you, I'm sure. Yes. Anyway, so Cactus Cool Ship is a spontan beer done with kumquat, pineapple, and apricot, giving a nice stone fruit and tropical fruit body.
0: Again, it's not too acidic. I'm so impressed with pineapple. I get nervous with pineapple.
1: um, The blendery we strove for, um, over over all things, balance in our beers. Yeah, that's fair. And it should be that way. While we were a predominantly sour brewery, um, our end game was always to make a well-balanced sour mm-hmm. beer. Funk you- forward, mild acidity—you know—showcase the fruit, showcase the yeast. The acidity levels were were secondary, and sure. all of that. What we wanted to be was, you know, Dre Fontenin, Cantillon, these breweries. You know, um, Lindemans, you know, these classic Belgian Lambic producers, right? You know, when we set out on this on this mission to open the blendery, it was why do they have why do they have a monopoly on this style of beer? Why -hmm. can't we make an American Lambic that is indistinguishable from a Belgian Lambic? What what are they doing that? we can't do here in the states like what is it you know allagash has had a cool ship for years Mm -hmm. jester king is also making these beers but they're not the same you know they're not they're not what is it that these belgian breweries have you know and and the the obvious answer is terroir right like sure you know they're, they're 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 building off of hundreds of years old recipes you know but w- we wanted to figure out like what will you know what techniques are they using what what processes are they using that we can't duplicate and come up with a product that in the end is indistinguishable you know and that's what's in, it has inspired these cool shit beers you yeah know? like we you know and the, the the proof is in the pudding you know, uh, the first time the blender released a goose-inspired beer, won a gold medal at GPF. Yeah, like that in itself is a testament to the the dedication mm-hmm. that we put into to figuring this out.
0: Two things to go on this. One, not to bring it back to wine, but this uh, you're talking about this comparison with um, why can't Americans make uh, lambics the way that Belgians do? Reminds me a lot of late '70s. I forget which wine competition. Um, when it was like a world wine competition where a Napa Chardonnay beat out French Chardonnay and was like the first time that anything like that ever happened. And it kind of exploded. Did they make a movie
2: about that? Yes, they
0: did. Uh, What's, what's his name that was in it?
2: You can always just research it.
0: Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter. Um, and, uh, That's what exploded the Napa Valley in terms of like becoming a wine destination. So it's really interesting to kind of hear that comparison happening um, with American breweries trying to do the same thing with, uh, you know, I don't want to say like outdoing Belgium because it's not like it's not a competition in that way. But it is kind of like, why can't we do the same thing as they're doing? Second of all, for listeners who don't know what a cool ship is, let's explain it. (laughs) <laughs> Who wants to take it?
1: I'll, I don't have a problem taking that. So a cool ship is essentially a giant shallow vat in which you age wart in. I mean... Um,
2: cool cool wart. Cool
1: wor- yeah, you, you cool wart down in. So you, you, you brew your wart and you pump it right into a cool ship. And, uh, you know, traditionally it's a pretty maybe two-foot, three-foot shallow tank that could be, who the fuck knows how long. And think.
2: I want to say it wasn't just used in spontaneous beer. It was literally. It was. A,
1: it's all brewing.
2: It was all brewing. It was literally. You
0: to anchor steam. That's like how they do that's everything. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: Right, right. But it's not even fermenting. It was literally just to cool just the beer down. Cool the wort. Yes. It's yeah. Yeah. A, There's a
1: reason a, why it's called a cool to, shit. It's just to space. It's to space out your beer wort mm-hmm. into a long, thinner area so that it would cool down at a pretty regulated temperature you sure know, like it cools down pretty uniformly
2: and there's, there's belgian breweries that have them that don't use them in the same way that lambic produces, like a uh, dodola definitely yeah they do they use it as a cooling vessel it's
1: cool. just a cooling vessel yeah but in in lambic beers or in a lot of sour and funky beers you know the idea is that you take that cooling wort, you leave it sitting out in you know ideally you would be brewing beer in like a, a fucking orchard or like <laughs> some kind of farm setting, right? Yes, and you would have your farmhouse abundant. with your brewery that yes. was also in your farmhouse. And you would leave this wort to cool down, you know, over a course of nights and let the natural terroir and like the natural, you would just open up some some windows and some vents in, in your brew house and your farmhouse. And you would just let the natural terroir the natural yeast that's floating around in the air that's Again, literally this everywhere is,
0: this is just a shallow pool of wort <laughs> Yeah, we're talking just, about just it's just a very just large a space very, of beer
1: sh- just a pool of sweet liquid yes and, and you would just let the natural yeast that occurred in your vicinity inoculate this beer and that you know that would create your very unique beer profile You know it would it would you know and if you're lucky enough to you know be doing this in an area um historically if you were lucky enough to be doing this in an area that had a abundance of yeast in in the air you would get these wonderful very specific terroir beers now you know in a modern era like you're you're recreating it's it, you know you're recreating that yeah that that process yeah and you're probably adding yeast to if not the beer itself the wort itself you're just like like in the case of the blendery, you just spray your beer your walls down yep. with a wild beer I and love just that let so the, much. let the yeast just propagate itself and then you you create you create the terroir that you want in your beer at yeah. that point but a cool ship at its core. Is literally a giant vessel meant to cool wort.
2: I think Weiss did a study that they found that the majority of your microflora actually comes in the barrels. Mm-hmm. So there's that sense. Now, exactly. Now it, yeah. it, it's kind of that sense again where you're going back to winemaking, yeah. where it's like you kind of have a intuition about mm-hmm. you know what grapes do well. Yeah. And it's like going back to what what barrels do you well. Um, not that they don't clean these barrels; they definitely do. But you you have a sense after like decades of like, oh yeah, this, this one works well for this and this. So you return to it. And that kind of, um, shout out to Paul Arnie, um, brings back so the many <laughs> shout
1: outs. I know we've had so many shout outs. <laughs> you can edit those no, out. I love it.
2: Um, Paul Arnie is like, you know, where does the brewer get involved with this process of making right, beer? Right. And it's that's where you get involved because you're all of a sudden your intent yeah. plays directions of like what gets involved it and does. what doesn't. So, yeah, and it
1: really does make a difference because there's
2: this romantic idea that it's like oh the yeast but like no you're like you're not going to put that one that tastes like fucking shit that tastes literally like poop or mm-hmm. tastes like vinegar you're not going to put that one in you don't have that no. Yeah. so that's, that's where you get a say Right. And, uh, and, you know, you, yeah. you you kind of, you're, you're uh, let's go romantic here. And you're like, you are orc- You have the orchestra of yes, Wild Beasts. And yes. you're like the conductor. Exactly. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, yeah, second second vi- viola. Like, you get the fuck out of here. You're, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't do your role. It's been like five years now. Like, I'm not getting shit from you. So, like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And then you reset and do all that. And it's kind of like that's where the brewer comes in. Because I think there's a question of like, well, if you're making this stuff, you're putting in barrels, you're waiting, like, like, why are you here? Yeah, exactly.
1: What's your end game at that? Yeah, right.
0: Right. Um, Okay, so let's transition a little bit um, into more personal talk. Jeremy's been talking a lot about how he worked at the blendery in Long Beach. Um, We'll come back to him. I'm going to shift it a little bit to Matt over here. And uh, maybe, Matt, talk a little bit about your beer history. What got you into beer? Maybe your gateway beer. um, What kind of got you into the industry in your history of coming up you know, as brewer.
2: Sure, sure. So, um, I am from the northwest originally. Um, I was a good kid. I didn't drink beer until I was like twenty-one. Same. Uh, yeah. Square. Squares whoa, for so, life. Ah, oh, cuties. We go ahead and do a fist bump. Yeah. Hear that audibly. Um, so, uh, when I turned, well, actually, before I turned twenty-one, because I went to South Africa, as you do. Um, I drank. That's <laughs> what does. I drank I drink milk stout. I like, tried some beer. I was like, this is really interesting. But what, like, what, 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 what's up with these craft beers? Um, I, I went out.
0: What's the deal with what, these craft what's beers?
2: <laughs> so I went out, to, um, went out to the QFC, as you do. And I bought a Shakespeare Stout, the first craft beer I ever drank. And I didn't have any glassware because, you know, when you're.
0: You don't know what's happening. You yeah, just, you know you're happening. exploring. You, know, you need to have a glass.
2: So I poured into a mug. I drank it. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I was like, whoa, this is really strong. And then I passed out and um, I was like, oh, that's cool. And that, that was, that was my gateway. And I was like, oh yeah, you like you uh, coming up in the Northwest you kind of take it for granted that like, Definitely. it's everywhere. you could literally yeah. go to the grocery store, buy a six pack for $9, which to your mind is like, oh, that's an average price for like really good beer. But like you look at it and you're like, oh no, that's kind of expensive. Um, I did that. And I was like, cool craft beer. That's cool. But I can never make a career out of it. Like, you know, whatever. And uh, I was a sociology major and I moved out to New York. Um this was during two thousand nine when the economy was shit. You kids don't know it, but you will soon know. The bubble will <laughs> burst at some point. Spoiler alert. Um, so You youngins. So so you know, like coming from the world where literally you could buy I, I one of my one of my favorite beers was to shoot uh brown saw uh was Buzzsaw was Brown. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> It was like it, this is the kind of beer that those um flat cap forty year olds in the in tap rooms across the northwest will tell you about. Um was amazing to me. And I went out to New York and New York City and I could not find it for shit. Like yeah. I was like, what the fuck? There were literally three breweries which blew my mind because there was at least like two in the town of thirty thousand I went to college for. And I was like, Oh, I can't find brewery here. So I started homebrewing they like, try to replicate something. Oh, okay, something. yes. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to homebrew. It's going to be awesome. It wasn't awesome. Um, you were homebrewing while you were living in New York. I wa- New York City. In Brooklyn, yeah. And then I, my, I lived in an apartment with like two other roommates. And I somehow, d- over time, developed a kegerator, a keezer for the kids out there. And, uh, and a fermentation chamber, just because I got that nerdy. Because I started working at a homebrew store as a there result, too. Um,
0: so when did you come back to the Northwest.
2: I came back in 2013 um, for unrelated reasons, and I was like, "Cool!" So I I got to get back on the beer scene because that's yeah. like been my life for a while. Uh, I I had briefly briefly worked at a brewery called Rockway Brewing, which are the amazing people um, in Long Island City for like two months, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I want to do this!" And I uh, started working at a ho- uh, bottle shop in um, in Seattle um, for about. Two and a half years, and I started working at the brewery. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and uh, I was. Didn't al- you
0: work behind the bar for a second?
2: Yeah, I worked. I worked behind the bar for a year and a half, which is my a only, year and a
0: half. Damn. My
2: only experience ever working, um, <laughs> friendly house that wasn't retail, I should say. Yeah. So, um, that was the experience because we used to be super busy full of people who didn't know shit about beer oh, God. yeah but then yeah. you
0: kind of moved your way out and got into brewing
2: yeah so um luckily like the manager of the taproom was like had had office day slots for me so i was like oh i'll wash kegs like as you do when you want to get back right
0: yeah you gotta course. start from somewhere
2: so um i started doing that for a little while and then um what came up uh during the fall of 2016 was there was a class at um, oregon state it was like quality assurance of beer. And it basically was like this crash course of like, yeah, do these things if you to make sure your beer is OK. So I did that. It was cool. And I remember like the week I got back, the guy that was working the quote unquote small uh, brewery quit. And one of the, the produ- production manager at the time was like, oh, that should totally just take this over. He's wanted it. So it's like, OK, cool. I'm like, so excited. This is awesome. And um, <laughs> I worked there for about a year or so. And then we got a new head brewer and I got m- rotated out and I started brewing at the our regular production space and I started doing cellar work and basically the whole gamut. And, yeah, um, now you're in it. Yeah, I'm in it. Uh, now I do like- Now
1: he's doing the damn
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Doing
2: production and cellar work and then uh, this little side thing with like wild beer or whatever. Yes. With spontaneous yeah, beer. with are
1: the sour boys. So, you are whoa, whoa, let's s- call it- let's
2: The call wild it, boys. Um, uh, yeast
1: wild boys. Yeasty boys.
2: Mixed- all- <laughs> Mixed culture.
1: Oh, the mixed boys. culture crew. Crew. There I you guess, go. which is true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cause yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of connotations when you said wild, you know? So, but um, yeah, that's where we're at.
0: Jeremy, we, you talked about how you worked at the blendery, but how, d- one, I want to know your gateway beer Two, I want to know how you got into the brewing industry.
1: I've been in the bar industry s- my entire adult life. Um, I, I started bartending at 20 years old, um, and became a heavily, heavily involved in drinking culture at a very young age. I mean, for lack of a better terminology for it. You know, um, I, you know, growing up, I was a kid who watched Tom Cruise and Cocktails one too many times and um, (laughs) fell in love with the idea of what bartenders are in our culture Mm -hmm. and um, decided at a very young age that like, I wanted to be a bartender. I loved what bartenders were, the idea of being a bartender. so. I immediately got into bartending um, at a very young age and, you know, subsequently developed a taste for craft beer at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I worked at a restaurant while I was in college in Riverside, California. uh, And across the street, there was a microbrewery um, called Omaha Jacks. It was a garbage, garbage craft brewery. Are they still around? Or No, God, no. They've changed ownerships shout out. like a thousand times. Shout out to Omaha Jacks.
2: Shout out to Omaha Jacks. <laughs> yeah. RIP.
1: Uh, r- r- yeah. Mm-hmm. Bless up. Um, but no, but Omaha Jacks did open the doors to craft beer to me, you know, sure. um, prior to that, I had never, I would, you know, I would have never known what a pale ale or a half right. or any of those beers yeah. were. And it kind of opened this, this door to me. And, um, while I was in college, I lived with a guy who worked for, not to drop, you know, not to drop names. Drop the name. He worked for BJ's Brewing. Humble brag. Oh uh, shit. Humble brag. <laughs> oh shit. So anyway, my roommate in college worked for BJ's Brewing. When and when you say
2: he worked, was he like from the house or back of the house?
1: He was like an assistant brewer, <gasps> oh, for shit. BJ's Brewing. So he would come home constantly with. BJ's beer which granted <laughs> isn't the best beer but it was this it was something it for was the time. new to me it sure. was dude I'm trying pale ales I'm right, trying right. imperial stouts mm-hmm. I'm trying porters I'm right. trying red ales I'm you're trying learning
0: about styles these
1: varietals of beer right. that wait up it's in, cloudy up until this point in my life I would have never experienced in, right. ever right right, and, right, right and, for sure and so it just it it opened this door to beer to me and if I had to like peg a gateway beer that got me like to love beer. It was Stone Brewing because I am from Southern California. <laughs> Wait, and, and and beer I, from yeah, which stone? one? There's a lot of Stone, stone brewing, brewing beers. I'm just gonna say like this. Stone Sublimely Self-Righteous.
2: Oh shit, I black,
1: black. Yeah. So no Stone shit. Sublimely Self-Righteous Damn. was the first beer that I ever felt uh, an ownership to. I love like, it. Where love it. I I loved that beer so much that. I felt I owned a part of it, right? Like I yeah. loved it to the to the point where like when people would be like, oh, you like beer? I'm like, no, you don't know fucking beer. This is the beer.
0: Kind of like when you like a band before they come become big. Exactly. And you're like, no, I knew them before. Stone
1: Sublimely <laughs> Suffer righteous was the beer that I was my underground punk rock band. There you go, beer. there you go. I and mean, that, that's
2: a great one to have because who loves Black Eyed nobody, Peas? Nobody. Nobody does.
1: Yeah. I do. No, but that's, I still do. I still do too. That's a thing, you know. But only certain ones. That's, that's but real. that beer, like, formed this foundation. Sure. That's exactly Of it. a love of a very specific style yeah. and craft beer. Yes. And it, it stone brewing was such an influential part of my craft beer I love, especially growing up in Southern California in the early two thousands. Like I. I went to every stone brewing event there ever was. Nerd. Stone brewing made me want to work in the craft beer industry. Mm-hmm. And um living in Long Beach, California, um Beachwood Brewing opened up. And um a year into their existence, before they were even anybody's on the craft beer scene, I begged i begged and pleaded for them to hire me (laughs) and i had been running bars at this point in my life for like five or six years and one day they hired me yeah was was it
2: some story where they're like
1: oh we'll make you a bar back and you're like god damn it literally matt that's exactly what it was it has to be that way there's a hierarchy i came into the beer i came to them i worked as an infant i i worked in the bar industry i was a beer buyer i was a bar manager i was all of these things and i went to beachwood and they're like yeah you got to be a server (laughs) before you can work for us and i was like you know what Fuck it. I want to be in this industry this so This is bad. what it is
0: though. You have to build that level of respect because if someone's willing to be like, yeah, I'll be a barback even though I've ran bars before, mm-hmm. then you know that they're de- that yep. right. they're dedicated and to you.
1: I wanted to work for this brand yes. so bad that I was like, I'll be a server. Yeah. I will be a server yep. for you. They were like, you're you're clearly <laughs> you're better overqualified. than you're overqualified for this job. You're like, no shit. Can you please oh, move into the bar? We want you to be a bar, like be a bartender. Yeah. I wait. did that for about a year, and they were like, you're overqualified for this job. Um, but will wait. you do sales and distribution for us? And I was like, absolutely. So I moved into sales and distribution for the company, gr- and all the while growing my knowledge of the beer industry. Oh, absolutely. And then um, in an ironic twist of fate, I fucked up my back doing moving kegs. Wait, oh, you told me about this. Yes. And... Um, as a result, they were like you can't do sales and distribution yeah. anymore because you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. But we like you so much, would you be interested in taking over our sour beer program? And, and you know, I'd already I said, I'd already become a fan of sour beer and lambic style and you know, wild beer styles during my time at Beechwood. Can,
2: can we um just this is you can edit this part up. Can we visit revisit um your first wild or sour beer since it's like a theme. Oh, my first Ooh, wildfire. Ooh, yes. yes. Dogfish so about-
1: Head, Fistina peach. Wait, wait, oh, the classic version that. where it's spontaneous? Ooh, mm. Mm. Shit, I um, don't even know if I know my. And Crooked Stave, Surette. Wait, wait, if you're talking about Crooked Stave, uh, I don't Um.
0: What? What? What's wrong
1: with Crooked Stave? Is that your first one? No, I'm just saying it's an early beer into my like, it, it, like meek foray of okay. sour beer. Okay. Logston, Sponton. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're talking about lodging the spot and Splatton, not talking about uh Saison Brett, I got dates. I do love Saison Brett too. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, don't I think but I'm know. saying like, Logsden, Crooked Stave, Dogfish Head, those were like my first like oh those st- were the like the, those the foundation. Are, those are my foundation okay. of sour beer and experience. And working with Ryan Fields, shout out. Um Fields Brewing. Fields Wild Fields Brewing. Um Working with him, like it, he was such an um he was a teacher, man. Like, he wasn't just a boss. He taught me so much about wild beer, wild culture, like, how to tame it and and, and, and how to grow it. It was mind-boggling to me. And Rod Fields is the head blender. He used to be. Used to be. He used to be. So now Harris, Harrison McCabe. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> so um, many
0: goddamn shout outs.
1: Harrison McCabe has taken over the sour program and grown it exponentially. He's a wonderful blender and brewer. But Ryan Fields taught me everything I know about sour beer. Shout
0: um, out. Shout out. Matt, what was your gateway sour wild?
2: Well, I wouldn't say it's a gate sour as much as, was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what was it? It was um, it was when I was, it was, like, 08 or 09. I was a college student. I was.
1: oh mm-hmm. eight or no, 09, you young buck.
2: Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so. I was sociology major, as I mentioned. Um, I, I did a thesis about beer.
3: <laughs> oh my oh, god, I love what? it!
0: Yeah,
2: and they Good allowed me you. to do it. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, shout out to Bailey's. Um, I was there. Um, it was that uh, they had they had this beer called Omegang oh Rouge, and I was like, "What the fuck is oh Gang Rouge?" Omaing oh Rouge is a
3: fire ass beer. I was like,
2: I was like, "What the fuck is this?" He was like, "Oh, it's um, it's like a sour beer." I was like, "What the fuck is sour beer?" I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll get it. I've never heard of this. Like, I want to try this." and i drink it and this you know like kombucha wasn't a thing back then it no, was like, no, no. it was a thing to like russians when you know <laughs> yeah. when when they knew yeah. what it was um so i was like okay i'll i'll try this and i suffered through it it was fucking vinegar <laughs> i was oh like oh no why does it smell like nail polish and
1: taste like it Wait, i've never this, this just made me think of, of mine. vinegar
2: no no and and so 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 for you that just don't know Ome, so f- omeging rouge um was a beer that gang didn't actually make they imported it from this little brewery called um ah, shit, it's got a long Belgian name I don't know, but the name that's under now is called uh, Cuvée de Jacobins. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 So yeah, that mm. might have been
0: one of mine too, honestly, because my first like sour or wild or Belgian beer experiences was working for the Browers Burgundy and Bottleworks family, and it was just because we always would have like fucking bomb ass taps, and I would say it was. Jacobin's or um, Duchess.
1: D- D- Duchess de, de Barun is really good. But Jacobin's is, that's, that's like old, that's yes. OG <laughs>
0: And I didn't funk. E- like. like, truly, I didn't even know what I was drinking and I was just like, Damn, I'm into this, but had mm. no idea like the historical context or like how like, great. When you it get into really those is. like fruit leather yes. beers. Yeah. But I, I want to say
2: that's a lie because the first time I drank um Omega Gang Rouge, I was like, what the fuck is this? There's nothing appealing about it. Like no. when you when you drink, it's like that sometimes. But when you drink Duchess, at least it's sweet. Yeah. Like, Jacobins is like jacobins is abrasive yeah abrasive. it's like Uh fuck you it's vinegar it's nail polisher this is what i'm at at least like even rodenbach is like hey i got something else rodenbach actually was another yeah rodenbach's
1: definitely got like more fruit leather like you're like you're yeah yeah. but
2: jacobins is like fuck you
1: i'm lactic acid (laughs) yeah i'm acetic (laughs) do you want heartburn because that's what you're gonna get yeah but but
2: but i was young enough where heartburn was that thing right so yeah just um, (laughs) and but that was also like the same time that um the shoot the Deschutes
1: came out with uh, Dissident, and I was like, uh, what the
2: fuck is Dissident?
1: Dissident was pretty good when it first came out, but Dissident immediately tapered off. Like, I still, just, So I was looking through uh,
2: for this podcast. I was looking through my cellar, Yeah. and I thought I had got rid of all of them. I have 08 OG Dissident
1: it's sitting in g- my cellar. No, s- that's going to be terrible. You should have brought it.
0: No, no,
2: no. no, no. <laughs> we, we, we have a better brewery.
1: I can't so imagine I can't. Dissident being good now. No, no, so I
2: opened-
1: 10, 11-year-old bottle of Dissident-
2: Next podcast. Okay. We'll have to drink it next podcast. <laughs> uh, we are drinking. We're talking upright. We're talking upright it, yes. brewing. Uh, well, what upright did you bring? This is expansions. Uh, one of their frequencies, one-off series. It's okay. on second use. The grape I can't pronounce. Uh, okay. From Germany. Gruishtaminer. Uh, Gruishtaminer. That's uh, right. Yes, yeah. I'm so uh, excited so, about this. So they so they did a beer called Four Hands that's like uh like almost 10 percent because you know it's Christian meter. yeah. Um, <laughs> and they reused it in this beer, this is a saison, um, aged in cast in the same cast that that was aged in. We'll it's got Down to regulate in a minute. It's six percent, so <laughs> that's uh, good. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's second use grapes. I've I've always had a fascination with second use fruit because there's always potential. Yeah. They they were actually before uh some brewery out of austin did it um uh that's really good U- upright was uh they 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 still make this beer called fantasia um it's like lambic inspired um it's okay. with peaches and they made they put a saison on top of it and i was like dude they use fruit and they used it again that's fucking mind-blowing and then now it's cool
1: yeah, well, secondary use fruit is now like all the rage. This yeah, smells like it. white wine. Oh my god! No, yeah, it, and you get a lot of that grape skin tannin on totally. the finish.
2: But like, it's not overwhelming. Not not, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's like subtle tannic quality on the back end. You get just a mild bitterness that kind of follows through on the back end of the beer. And and you can get this oh,
2: wow. uh, throughout the Northwest at any uh, beer store. Um, it's Ridley this basil. is insane
0: okay wait matt so speaking of the fact that we're drinking this incredible beer and you're like you can get this in just random ass bottle shops mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier off the mics that you think upright is a little underrated
2: there so upright's I, been around for ten, 10 years right um they're still the most underrated brewery in the northwest this because is, in '09, God. before saisons were even on anybody's radar they decided to make their entire lineup not only Cezanne's, but they just call them four, five, six, and seven. Yep. <laughs> so you're like, well, yep. what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean where,
0: where is Upright located?
2: Upright is, um, so uh, for, for you kids out there from the Northwest. All um, you kiddos out there. Um, the, the Blazers, where they play, they're literally like uh, like five-minute walk from where they are. They're in this building called the Left Bank, which is a mixed-use. Before mixed-use was even a word used in the urban centers. Um, it's just offices above it, and they're in the basement. And the common complaint among those online, um, is you can't find it because it's in the basement and it's got a, there was literally just a single sandwich board and you had to look for it. And be like, Oh, that's what <laughs> it is. And then you had to know to go to the basement and it, yeah. you didn't know there were stairs. So you're like, I guess I'll take the elevator and you did. And you would hope that you press the right button. Yeah. yeah. And it's it was kind lap- of like
0: Holy mountain when Adam was still there. Yes. Yeah. It was like, yes. that, but, it, but, it,
2: but predated them by like yeah. seven years.
0: Okay. Mm. Am I tripping or did upright? It started in Portland.
2: They've always been in Portland. Yeah, they Why were. Why
0: did I think they were from somewhere else? No, no, no. I've always
2: been. So, important. so the. What?
1: So I'm gonna go. Ahead they're like gigantic. A lot of people don't know where they're from, but they're yeah, from. Yeah. So
2: God to give the history it. of Alex, uh, I recently learned that everyone pronounces his name wrong. So I'll get it right. Shout out to Alex. Um, Alex Ganum. Um, Ganum. Let's say it together. Ganum. 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 Not Ganum, like like the uh, the famous uh, Zelda character. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: You are amongst nerds, dude. Feel free to Nerd say that out, out loud.
1: Matt. Nerd out loud, bro. <laughs> but I don't know about your listeners. Anyway, all of us, um,
0: we all play video games here, yeah. okay? Mm,
2: you're in a safe <laughs> but they space. They might just be they <laughs> just this is be like that pig character. Um, so anyway, he was he went to call this is this is the press release from 09. Um, he went to culinary school and he was like, Oh yeah, I'll go to culinary school. So he started to stage at a brewery called um, Omega. gang um
1: oh uh, yeah. a little place up in upstate new no, york they were, they, they were
2: little back then they uh, like they you know they'd had those weird labels and everything
1: before they were duval owned
2: yeah but way before um Is that i don't know yeah he was <laughs> fascinated by the fact they like open fermented so mm-hmm. um from that he went eventually to work at belmont station also a little known little known uh bottle shop out of portland um mm-hmm. and uh, worked there for a while, and then he started up... Oh, right, and one of his first things he did was he had two open fermenters in this special room, which, like, it's fucking 09. Nobody's fucking heard of Canteon, huh? Nobody's right. heard of fucking Lambic. Right. You open fermenting shit because you saw it at this cool brewery that some people on the East Coast know called Omegang. It's like, what the fuck, man? And you decided to do Saison's. Like, what the fuck? Good for him. And, um yeah, so he, he just decided to do whatever.
0: I respect it. Mad respect.
2: Yeah, so it continually they're they're kind of like one of those breweries that everyone in the industry respects right and that like certain people that are neck uh that really like (laughs) do we need to
0: bleep out the word neck beer (laughs) (laughs) um
2: uh, (laughs) that also like beer um also respect sometimes but they've never been hyped i mean for a while they like fantasia everyone loves fantasy because it got peaches it got peaches like petche and brett like oh yeah man it's sour it's got peaches yeah um but yeah, like he's just been chugging along to his thing. He finally, like, I think it was two, three years ago, was like, "Oh, I can't keep doing saison." So he re- he revamped his lineup. He does like a Belgian IPA. Um, uh, it's Brett in bottles, but not Brett on draft. Saison vert, which black limes, um, oh, okay. and some other one other beer. Cause I can't remember because I don't remember the lineup
1: anymore because it's not in numbers. But, um, um black of, limes and in, in sour uh, funky beer also just a side yeah. note are amazing I agree yeah. I agree
0: I yeah. haven't ever just dis- okay to be fair I've only had like two black lime wild beers but I've like the both of fermented them fermented lime
1: and yes. uh yes. or uh, just it's just a gold mine It's a really gold mine of possibilities yes. Yes. just As throwing a, it out there
2: I'm going to go ahead and put that actually out there but it's a uh, it's a fermented lemon
0: uh, That's right.
2: That's
1: it what is, it is. Yeah. You're uh, right.
0: We're not going to be mad about it. God,
1: Matt, um, just schooling me over here on fermented fruits. It happens
0: sometimes. Yep. It happens. Um, I do want to say the one thing about Upright that brought them to my attention personally is their artwork on the labels. It's always been super fun, geometric, like really attractive mm-hmm. to the eye to the point. I mean, like in Matt, like you're saying these are people that are like making saisons at the point where no one gave a fuck about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that in a marketing sense, and I, I'm air quoting marketing. Cause like, yeah. ugh, right. But at the same time, like they're doing an amazing job with their labels and I've always appreciated the art that they put out there.
2: Well, I mean, I mean at the beginning they did some like stuff that was a little weird. Um, It was like uh, just like a music symbol, like. And I remember when I had the hoodie, and it used to be their symbol. Where just like it was a bass clef, because they were like Mm -hmm. they were really big jazz. They still (laughs) are. Yeah, they (laughs) still are. (laughs) They still are. Oh,
0: I respect that.
2: And they had they had a they had a beer called Foreplay. I remember it just came out in bottle like twice, and they still have it on tap. You can still you. It was it's the only beer that I remember that you go to tap room and you get a pitcher of lacto and Brett fermented. Beer, like all the time picture yeah. baby yeah yeah um they still have it
1: still unheard of
2: still unheard. Way, yeah. honestly um but like um yeah they had that and they kind of like when they did that rebranding with the ipas and swatch out the other ones they mm-hmm. kind of like refined a little more no offense to whoever did the first label uh but like yeah they evolved yeah they, they evolved and like they've just been kind of like doing what they've been doing and they continue to do it um and their tap room always has stuff that you know, actually, I'm gonna also give them props for like doing a year-round Pilsner before doing a year-round Pilsner. Was cool. Sorry, Heater Allen. Um, <laughs> in the Northwest, like yeah. the Engelberg Pils, still really solid. Using yeah. uh, I
0: don't know if I've ever had a lager by them.
2: Yeah, uh, Engelberg Pils uh, with uh, with tetaning I'm saying it's, it's yes. I I grown it right, by it's, fucking uh, yeah. fucking monks. Uh-huh. Monks grow that shit uh, in Oregon. That is uh. like.
0: Capital N, Noble with the TM trademark sign at the end. Yeah, but there's
2: there's all kind Like,
1: of... like fuck you, Noble hops. Yeah, fuck like, you, Noble hops. Yeah. But there's
2: uh, to your homebrewers out there who are real nerdy, uh, I know their problem was tetanang grown in Northwest. I get it. But their, their tetanang is pure. It's crisp. So you should drink that pills anyway. It's
1: crisp. Yeah. Well, you need that- And that's the thing, man. You know, if you're going to grow- If you're going to grow an old world hop, you got to do it right. Well, okay,
2: so- you, you go ahead and edit this out. But, like, <laughs> the whole problem with um, tetaning is that uh, when they brought it over, they got a Swiss propagation of it, and uh, it actually wasn't tetning. So it it was wasn't, it, it was, was oh actually, f- it was Fuggles. So, oh really? Certain people who are using tetnning, it like came out weird because and it was fuggles. It was fuggles, but 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 it wasn't fuggles because it was just. It was a. It was, it was a mutated tetnning. No, 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 no. It was fuggles that was mislabeled as tetnning. That was uh, to the Swiss. That somehow we got Swiss. Anyway, that's why that's it's super nerdy. Such a weird, this is like no one cares that's about a it. Weird. There are like three people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for caring about this. Yeah. <laughs> the three so, people. <laughs> so, so you can so just uh, just for later, you can edit that right yeah. now. Except um, for those three people. It's three people. So but yeah, Engelbert Pills was really cool. And it still is. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: I'm okay. into it. I will say. Um,
2: oh, yeah. yeah. We're drinking expansions, by the way. <laughs> what
0: do you mean expansions? This
2: is a beer. That's a beer name. I don't think I actually mentioned the name. Oh,
0: yes. Right. Uh, did we even say what this is? I think we yeah, did. We, we did. Yeah. Just said it. Just said it. Yeah. Okay. Again, dope-ass label art. Um, yeah.
2: I think it's actually this... done by um, Alex's wife. Oh, good for her. Shout out to her. Yeah. And I
1: love it because. It the, still the, has the that gr- clef. The, the grape character. Yeah. yeah the,
2: the clef is still there.
1: It's yeah, not just the ba- basic background. of Their, their background of the labels always had that, that base left. I
0: guess I didn't realize that. But, um, uh, the
1: Gervershaminer grapes come out very nicely in this beer. You get mild grape tannin, great sweetness. I agree. And, and, and great quality. It's yeah. not,
0: I, you can't compare these one on one because they're both really different beers. But the most recent beer that I drank that is similar to this was the Floodland uh, Viognier, which is italian versus german um but
1: yeah but i mean that's uh,
0: but if we're talking about like using wine grapes if you're talking about why, like
1: wine grape expression yes. it's still a great example of how to properly use wine grapes that's, yes and
0: beer. because you don't see this shit very often the last one that i had that was comparable to this was a floodland beer but it just kind of like sparked that connection in terms of my memory, but they are totally completely different beers and they're both excellent. Um, it's just really fun to see both of this, like in within the Pacific Northwest, two different breweries doing kind of similar things mm-hmm. with different varietals, different methods, you know, different blending techniques.
2: Um, it's fun shit. No, I, d- I definitely want to give props out to um, Adam too, for using second use as well. Cause yeah. it's like, it's not something that dawns a lot of brewers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're like, Oh like I put this fruit in here, I guess it's done. I'm um, time to throw it away. But there's yeah. there's a lot left in there. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I know that spoiler alert um, that like we we are in discussions to use um, our apricots again just because. Hell
0: yeah,
1: dude! I mean, uh, and, and there's no reason not to. There's right? no
2: reason right? not to, but like, yeah. but at the level that we're using that, they're definitely not getting extracted to the yeah, level yeah, they should yeah, exactly. be. And uh, we we definitely, you know, there's definitely different. Character you get from it, I think a lot of people cite Gesture King and their use of. Well, Levine again. Rose is a great example. Yeah, Levine yeah. yeah. Rose is a secondary totally. use yep. for right? I which, mean. which I think you can. Uh, maybe I'm wrong but you can get at Masonry right now
1: <laughs> and no I've oh. seen
0: it at Bottleworks oh have you okay and really? I also saw it at Garden Path when I was up there recently. it's such yeah. a great Livian it is Rose it's, it's is a perfect a example beer. of that like it
1: is it's such a it's lovely a, fun uh, beer like if you're talking secondary use yes. fruit beers yes like, Rose is like your primary example of what
2: I, I'm just gonna circle back to Upright but like Upright was the first brewery I ever saw to do that and they put um, a Hoppy Saison on top of their Fantasia peaches oh, okay. which like blew my mind because it was like why are you doing hoppy plus like yeah, peaches? Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, there's still a lot of like aromatics. There's a lot mm-hmm. of peach yeah. aromatics. There, there's and, a lot of peach and, and aromatics and
1: character that comes through in the beer. Yeah. yeah,
0: and really, we didn't really talk about this. Oh, yeah, beer we didn't talk about this beer at, at all. Well. But I mean, I and I just finished mine, so I'm just going off my last tasting note. But it is there's like a, I don't want to say tartness, but there's like this very specific fruit brightness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that exists in it. But and I do
1: love the mild, the mild tannic. Yeah, sure. The no. profile that comes through in the very there's end. Like but I think that's what you guys were thing. talking yeah, yeah. about
0: with secondary use. Uh-huh. Is like there's so much more to come from the fruit after right whatever the fuck you and use.
2: There's, at there's first. a lot more subtlety because it's not yeah. pounding you over the head with No, yeah, no, no. You're, no, no. Not, I'm you're
1: not getting kicked in the teeth with fruit characters. are yeah. getting all of those yes. subtle fruits. Like a lot of times, fruit beca- steals the show. Right. You right. Know? Exactly. And depending on your fruiting ratios and all that other stuff, like fruit can really become like your predominant characteristic in a beer. And and secondary use fruit allows the beer to shine through a lot more. I
0: would like to say that this beer, I think is a really good example of like why the fuck we're talking about this in general. Like I think this is a really good example of subtle, but nuanced Mm -hmm. notes that Mm -hmm. take a lot of time and a lot of fucking practice. Like you said, they're around for 10 years, you know, so they've kind of figured out what to do, even when it's still experimental and even when it's still unpredictable, like they've kind of, this is fucking good. Like this right. is fucking yeah. hard to do. What we're doing right. right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, absolutely. And
2: I want to. I want to go ahead and. Uh, you know not that they need this but like uh, Adam at Floodlands thank you for making beers that are either like you. fruit bombs or, or
1: like acid, acid bombs, bombs. Nope. Yeah, yeah yeah He the, works the, the,
0: really fucking hard to make sure yeah. that it's no, well balanced the
1: the, the the Floodlands is killing it in terms of like balanced drinkability in and style complexity of beer. and complexity but in but they're also layers. complex beers Yes, and, and exactly there,
2: there are definitely points when like i think um what was the, the the secondary use of blueberries like no hereafter or something
0: i thought that was the sp- Spirits. Oh God, I it don't. It might have been. I don't I'm know. I'm not even in the. anyway, like, but like, but there was know.
2: definitely like a part of my animal brain that was like, "Man, I just want more blueberries." But then I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. Yeah. I want, I want this weird thing that reminds me of yes, sawmill gravy yes. on, on biscuits. Yeah. This is really great." That was um, honestly one of my favorites. Yeah, this was. It was awesome. And like, um,
0: drive out the spirits.
2: Mm, no. No, that was wrong. No, no. I it's, thought I had it. <laughs> I think it was no here, no hereafter.
0: No, that was the skin contact
2: Yeah, with blueberries Was it? Yeah God damn we it We have the internet like,
0: I'm not a good enough beer nerd What is happening? No, no, no
2: Don't, don't <laughs> say that Oh yeah, so uh, the, the, uh, the other upright beer I brought was We're gonna
0: uh, open up one last beer Yeah, um, one last beer
2: So you all get eight ounces each Oh Jesus Ooh Dark
0: yeah, sour This is not a color we've experienced so far I love
1: me and dark sour Little malt in there I'm okay with that
0: a little malt something we haven't quite experienced
1: yeah it's when you live this sour life funk life
0: when you're in a wild boy you know
1: when you're a wild boy you don't worry about malt oh you can smell it
0: uh dreamy oh my god it's like cherry cherry. yes
2: so so i think wait what's the name of the spearmint it's called billy the mountain which um Apparently, it's a Zappa song. Go ahead and uh, send the comments. Uh, yeah, send the go, ahead uh, go ahead and send those comments
1: in, guys. Uh, so this, this is either about. the
2: first or second beer they produced. Uh, I think it was either this or uh, Oyster Stout that they first ever Ooh. made. I'm pretty sure it was this one. Can uh, we get a,
1: get a nice little uh,
2: cheers Can here? we please?
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so this is, uh, this is an English Old Ale. Uh, it Yo, is, this smells
0: so fucking good. This is
2: 8%. Um, this is the literal, literal last vintage that they ever made because no one bought this beer. A um, lot of tw- oak. Out of 2016. Like a lot of oak in that. Um, it's not bad.
1: That's oaky as fuck. That's oaky as fuck. So they made.
2: I haven't this, even tried it yet. This, uh, So they made this beer, I think in 2010, which is... Well, when they first released the beer in 2010, um, it was 80% stock ale and 20% fresh beer. Um, and then like three or four years, they switched it. So this current blend is like Twenty percent old beer and eighty percent okay new fresh yeah, beer.
0: Yeah. Um which kind of makes sense. I just had a moment there with this the end is so fucking chocolatey. It's like sixty mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. cacao dark chocolate. Like yeah, yeah. what? But the nose is so intensely cherry and dark fruit. Yeah, yeah. this is insane. I love it.
1: So no, the, like you get a lot of that like like rich malt character on the back. Yeah.
2: Uh, little known fact, um, when r- the guys from Rodenbach were up here, the the whole idea to age beer and fooders was based around the fact that um, the English aged their beer and fooders. Uh, and that's why they were like, oh, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> so, like, the, wow. the whole reason that Rodenbach's aged and fooders is because English people were like, oh, yeah, porter, fooders. So, that's funny. Anyway. so um, Fun fact. Fun fact. FYI. Mm-hmm. That's another day. Yeah. Um, so, Gales All up until 5 still aged their beer and fooders, and then they were bought out by fullers because they didn't make any money doing that yeah um, exactly. i wonder why fullers Fol- <laughs> actually just as an aside they they literally took the beer last beers of the fooders like put into a tank and they reserved it yeah. for the next time they would release it for, yeah but anyway yeah. um upright when they released this beer um it was 80 percent stock ale 20 percent um new beer that they made um and they ate, they put it in the bottle still and i i like for the for the longest while, I was like, "Why are they doing this And then I was living in New York, and I found Gale's old ale in like eleven point two three hundred thirty milliliter bottles and I was like at a sh- it didn't have a um it just had this like really cr- crappy like uh shrink wrap heat thing on top of it <laughs> and there was a cork underneath but there was no cap and i was like oh it's well, like open it and it's completely fucking flat and i'm like oh well, that's of wh- course I, it was that's why I upright did this because they found these same fucking bottles like what the fuck is this shit and it tasted like a um i was telling Jess this earlier it tasted like a flanders red that was flat and a little acidic but in the most pleasant way and it was nine percent
1: and this that's is- a sound none of that sounds like it should ha- be working together
2: but that's that's how these beers were like so
1: that's yeah. the whole. basis. It sounds like you got a phantom beer on your hands. Yeah, right but
2: that's the whole. That's the whole basis for this beer. And like, if you have older vintage, <laughs> older vintage, it's very Flanders esque.
1: This is more yeah. like I, I, there's
0: Flanders influence no, no, there's, in here.
1: No, so, definitely, you get that fruit leather mm-hmm. like, right up front. Then,
0: like I said, cherry was the first thing yeah. that I uh-huh. picked up on. So,
2: so the ironic thing is like um, the Brett they use in this is actually the the Brett that. Um, was it Pester? It was Pester, yeah. Pester who discovered Brett. Mm-hmm. There was the first Brett they discovered. It was uh, Brett Cossenyi, yeah, which means that's
1: the, uh, that's the original Brett. It was O.G. Brett. It was, the like, OG it was it literally
2: means like Brett from uh-huh. England. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so it's cool. like it's like a it's an homage back to like yeah. England. And it's like that's like fun. That
1: eye so strain of Brett is like it's the english og english yeah brett. yeah
2: and uh it, it's it's uh-huh. the brett that exists in this or group. Or
1: what is it what britannomyces means british fungus right? british fungus yeah, yeah that's, that's what so wait called. that's the entomology of the word britannomyces It's british fungus yeah. british what? fungus, yeah, yeah. And you cla- heard it here first
2: <laughs> no you didn't british british fungus you heard it
1: from us here on this podcast first yeah,
2: yeah i <laughs> was like the first the first brett Really it but fun. that's
1: because of the guy who discovered it.
2: Right. Discovered it, but he discovered it in English beer, in like English beer, like in yeah. porter. Well,
1: because they were trying to figure that's out what right. what the yes. what the spoilage in English yeah. beer was. Made. No, no, it wasn't a spoilage even. Well, they were just yeah.
2: It, it, it gave a uh, porter the English yep. flavor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like it was that thing that that's like, right. The spark. Yeah. So it's oh like my God. so this beer really is not. Um, an old ale that tastes like a Flanders red. Flanders red tastes like an old ale. Yeah. If you really want to think I about it. I
0: love that. Like that. Oh
1: my god. The, exactly. Like. Mind's being blown. Yeah. Yes. But
2: nobody bought it, so this is why they stopped making it in 2016. Yeah, right? It's
1: that's so thing. fun. That's though. the fun. The fun part about the science is nobody gives a shit about science. No, we give a shit about science. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So this is like upright. Like this also just demonstrates like things that upright. The versatility, man. Yeah. No, they're just doing things. No, like they did yeah. this for like six they're, years.
1: They made this for brewers. Like, no, no. Sh- there, there were th- two dudes at the brewery that wanted that beer. And yeah, the like, two whatever. and also us. There are two
2: <laughs> people who wanted this beer, and like Alex, who used to work at Belmont Station, he's like, I love that beer. Yeah. And like, as somebody that used to work at a bottle shop, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, I used to love these beers, and I want to yeah. make that beer. No, like,
0: exactly. I think all of us are feeling good. I and feel hopefully The audience is feeling good. Everyone should be drinking along with us in terms of upright, yeah, blendery, always. or any wild mixed culture beers. Yeah,
1: and upright. if anybody yeah. ever has any questions, you know, feel free to find uh, us. Or ask Jess. Just or ask Jess. Ask Jess. You can like,
0: um, Instagram Jess Jess Beer.
1: Or at uh, Mr Germs 21 yeah, either know those are good. Like uh, You're
0: not gonna plug your Instagram. <laughs> no, you don't nah. want the DMs. It's, it's,
1: it's private, it's private, don't that's worry about fine, it. Worry that's about fine, that's
0: fine, whatever.
1: I'm not private, guys. Instagram Neither me all <laughs> you want. At Mr. Germs twenty one. <laughs> all please, right, fam. Um, please hit me up.
0: We still have some beer in these glasses, but I think we're just gonna cheers and finish this off, Mike. So
1: yeah. Hopefully, yes. Beautiful.
0: Thank you for joining me, friends.